0: welcome to a brand new episode of the soul blazers podcast co-hosts amanda ware our christmas queen and founder of hello holidays and dr carol osborne our multi-venture guru are ready to sit down and share their stories insights and wisdom to inspire aspiring trailblazers like you who are gearing up to start your own business seeking personal growth or looking for that spark to set your soul ablaze
1: limit for me and you've really helped coach me through it and I want you to talk about it is I feel like when I'm because I do have a tendency to look at all the good most of the time and right now life seems really good I've expanded I feel really good in my relationships and my business all like life I'm just really happy yet I catch myself in moments going okay what do I need to worry about I shouldn't feel so happy I'm because I don't want to be too happy because something bad's gonna happen and I'm not gonna be prepared. And then I heard that Brene Brown quote where she says, joy is the most vulnerable emotion and we're constantly don't wanna have too much joy because it's too vulnerable. Can you talk about why in general, is that why that's an upper limit and why we, why humans do that?
0: Yeah, negativity bias is a like trick of your brain that feels protective. So it's your brain's way of essentially like bringing you back down when you get really uh, high, not in the drug sense, but at a place of joy or um, excitement. One of the things I have learned recently that I find so helpful is that fear is just excitement without the breath. if you think about like the biology and the actual physical feeling it's the same thing but we process it as fear if we're not breathing if we're not being flexible and open and if you can realign when you get tense to like think about it as excitement it's like a total game changer I think that whole like um, too good to be true thing is a Culturally pervasive message of, you know, our culture is focused on these leftover puritanical views of things need to be hard. Hard work is virtue. You need, essentially, you need to suffer. And that just isn't true. That is just not the case. But both culturally and from a sort of Um, neurologic mechanism this negativity bias or this sense of like everything's going great where is my vulnerability where's the weak spot what is the you know base that I don't have covered and if you believe and I do in like attracts like if you believe that positivity attracts positivity Where is your limit of positivity? Like how tolerant are you of things being good? Most people are more
1: tolerant of things being bad than things being good. That's so fascinating. But suffering is good, and you say this a lot. This is a quote you say to me a lot. "Is like, we are, life is the lesson. Like life is the lesson. We are going to suffer. And can you talk more about having to learn the same lesson over and over when you do get in that So the Buddhists would say pain is
0: inevitable, but suffering is optional. So suffering is, I expect A and I'm getting B. And the gap between A and B is where suffering happens. And so any experience can be perceived as suffering or as not suffering. So the Buddhists teach, you know, suffering and freedom from suffering. But basically that suffering is your own interpretation of whatever the... Situation is and there's paths out of that and there are practices like mindfulness and meditation that help you be uh, hold on to the positive and not suffer even if you're in physical pain or even if you have a terminal diagnosis how do you uh, minimize your own suffering and that of the people around you um, so I think yeah, you know, there's all kinds of ways to look at that, but the trick or the thing that I think we're addicted to as a culture is this idea that it's good to suffer.
1: And that's just not true. It's not good to suffer. <laughs> well, and I've caught myself being annoyed because that feels like when someone else is suffering, everybody else is really talking about it and they're it's almost like, Well, it's not me, so let's talk about the suffering of someone else so that I don't it's almost like they think it's um, a disease that you can catch
0: yeah yeah and I think people can get into this loop of fear and worry are protective if I've worried about all the things then I'm prepared then nothing bad can happen to me but if you actually think about like the hardest things in Most of them were completely unpredictable. No amount of preparation or worry would have avoided that thing. And if you really can embrace the idea that life is the lesson, why would you want to avoid any of it? Why would you put energy into avoiding your lesson?
1: And when we are in resistance of avoiding the lesson, we have to be taught that lesson over and over and over.
0: I mean, both. Everything that I have read and everything that I know to be true from my own personal experience is that life will serve up the same lesson in various forms until you get it. And you can either continue to fight it the same way you've always fought it or say, like, wow, the the way that I've done this the last 10 times didn't work, so this time... I'm gonna try something new. It's that whole doubling down thing, right? Repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is actually the definition of insanity, but we do it all
1: the time. We do it all the time. In general,
0: when we want someone to behave differently, often we can tend toward trying to like, scare them into behaving differently or shame them into behaving differently. And those things don't work. Like, if you scare and shame a kid, they're going to hide from you. They're not necessarily going to do something different. It's true. You know? And so you can keep doing that, and you can do what you've always done more and harder. Or you can say, hey, that doesn't seem very effective. Maybe I'll try something that reinforces the positive instead of punishing the negative. One thing, at least with Hello Holidays, is the idea that, well, I need to buy the maximum quantity so I get the cheapest price. Oh, yeah, I have done that. And, like, that just accumulates inventory. Unless you're sure you're going to sell it, it's a much wiser use of the available capital to get a few and see how they sell than to say, like... I'm just going to jump in the deep end on this thing that I've never sold before so that I get the, like, discounted price. I
1: also do it because I think people got so mad at us when we'd sell out of things, and so selling out of something, I got became a fear because I felt like I lost customers when we'd sell out of something too quickly. So I was like, I and never
0: want to sell out. And in fact, the opposite is true.
1: Selling out creates
0: this perceived scarcity that actually drives traffic of, like, better hurry this is all sold out and like the idea of like not wanting to sell out actually in a small business your goal should be able to sell out of every single item you shouldn't carry something you don't think you should can sell out of it's a seasonal business ideally you would only have enough inventory for the season and yeah you want to get better at predicting volumes if you sell out really really early you want to buy more next year and that's the entire sort of trick and art of a retail business is to get your supply and demand curve corrected to be as efficient as possible. It's never gonna be 100%. You're never gonna, if you, it is a balance because if you sell every single thing that you had in inventory, you probably did leave cash on the table. If you have a ton of back stock that's just sitting there, then that's basically like having your money sitting on your kitchen counter, just it's not earning any interest. You're not able to use it for other things. It's just sitting there in the pile. It's like keeping it under the mattress. Yeah,
1: and so that's been a good thing for me to like look at through a different lens. That was an upper limit for me. But yeah, I like like how you say that when things are too good, we want to see where the negative is instead of, you know, maybe shifting our gears and looking at the positive being okay with everything going great. To go along with that, that I've learned through being, Chad's taught me this, you've taught me this, I guess. it's root Fives are really good at prioritizing. So when you do have all the ideas or all the problems or all the things you wanna do, going with your top three priorities and focusing on those. If you have more than three priorities, you got priorities, you have a list. There's
0: nothing wrong with a list, but just don't get confused about what it is. You know, priorities mean these are the things I'm focused on until I'm done with them. Now, once you've gotten those things shaped up, you can pick new ones. But having, without things to focus on, it gets really easy to be overwhelmed and paralyzed. But if you've got a manageable number of things to focus on and you've got support, then usually we can move forward.
1: Yeah. What if you don't have a team and you're just starting out and you really don't have any help? How do you tell, we talked about this yesterday on the car ride from Dallas. I asked you this because I don't, I'm, I don't do good at setting routines. I don't, I'm not good. Every day is different. It's hard for me and focusing on some of those things. Can we talk about that?
0: Yeah. If you don't have help priorities are even more important, Right, because it's just you, so you gotta really be conscious of how you spend your time. But I think beyond that, it's about saying, okay, how do I use the resources I do have wisely? Rather than saying, I don't have any resources, or I don't have enough help, or I, you know, have too much to do and not enough time, I'm trying to re how do I use the things I do have, and if I need more resources, how do I go
1: find them? Right, and a great way to do that, if you are starting, you wanna start a business, if you're not using ChatGPT to help you with like what's out there in marketing, you need need to be doing that. Oh, totally. Because that's like a whole team.
0: Yeah, I mean, tech tools are amazing, right? Even just like Shopify, right? E-commerce was revolutionized by Shopify. Anybody can go set up an e-com business now with not a lot of capital, not a lot of technical knowledge. True. Use your tools. Go find tools. Go talk to people who've done it. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think some people get stuck because they think they should know or they think they should already know. They're afraid to ask or they're afraid to look dumb or sound dumb or you know, we all have to get comfortable being beginners and starting from a place
1: of I haven't done this before. So who has? Yeah. That's helped me a lot. Being not being afraid to ask people questions or and I can tell when people don't want to help me. I can tell and I at the beginning, I could see that kind of frustrated me. Like, why would you not want to help me? And now I'm like, oh, I can see why you don't want to help me. Like, okay, I'll go to the next person. And that's been okay. It's like, I, how do I learn from that person not wanting to help me? Looking back, I can be like, I had a zillion other things to do. I was This was small potatoes. It's not time. So take not taking that personally when maybe someone doesn't have the time and energy to help you. That's right. And it's not always because they don't want to. You know,
0: one of the things that you see from students a lot is like that they didn't know how to engage mentors or they didn't know, you know, they met somebody or they had networking but they didn't really know what to do with it. And part of it is just, you know, understanding the other person's perspective. If you're engaging with somebody who's really busy, be very specific about what they can do to help you. Don't put it on the other person to come up with ways to help you. Just make a very specific ask. I think a lot of times people, in my experience, people will come to me and say, can you help me with this idea? It's like, well, I probably can, but what help do you need? Go away and think about what you need, and then I'll know how to best help. But if you're putting it on me to create your entire plan and you know your financing resources
1: i don't i can't even if i want to i couldn't possibly i don't have time right so be specific when you ask and then a lot of times you might be specific and then they give you more you know outlooks or
0: sure whatever. you think of other things like if a student asks me for a rec letter i might write their rec letter but then also introduce them to a few few people i know who've done similar things right it's not that they might not have other things to offer but you've got to give somebody who's busy more direct instruction more specific instruction than
1: just can you help me yeah so glad you're helping me (laughs) (laughs) on all the things care is my business partner if i haven't told enough people that. Well, you help me on other different things like talking to strangers. Uh, yeah, you don't want to talk to strangers. I do not want to talk uh-uh. to strangers. We haven't even, remember, I asked you, like, how'd you do that, not talk to anybody? It was really impressive the way you floated through market without, like, making eye contact with people or talking to anybody because I felt like that's impossible.
0: Well, if I see somebody coming toward me, I smile and wave politely and then I turn around and walk away, is so. <laughs> how. If I think someone's going to try to talk to me, I
1: avoid it. That's how it that works. Oh, it
0: must be nice. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Kara and Amanda, your soul blazing big sisters, are just laying the foundation for all of the amazing things to come. If you want to stay up to date on new episodes, be notified of any discounts, or get a glimpse of what we are working on behind the scenes, go to soulblazers.com and subscribe
1: to our newsletter. Until next time Soul Blazers!